So I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin in a multiracial family. There's me, and you can tell that I am blonde hair and blue-eyed. I had an older brother who was Asian, and then I had a younger brother who was Irish. Bright red hair and freckles. But um, it was like, we don't talk about Bruno, we don't talk about the freckles. They were unmentionable to my brother John. In my freshman year of high school, we, my brother Luke, the Asian brother, and I were together. We had the same science teacher. I was in third hour. He was in fifth hour with Mrs. Diedrich. One day, Luke was sick, and he was not at biology class. And so I asked Mrs. Diedrich for the study guide. Can I please take one home for my brother? And she said, who's your brother? And I said, Luke in your fifth hour. And she said, oh, yes, I see the resemblance. And I said, he's Asian. And she's like, yes, you have the same eyes. I wasn't sure at this moment if my biology teacher was altogether too bright or if she was just embarrassed that she wasn't sure which kid was which kid. But nonetheless, we began the study of evolution in this class. And I remember I had just committed my life to Christ. I was a brand new Christ follower. I was reading the Bible starting on page one um, because I didn't know that you could start the Bible anywhere. And so I was reading all about creation. And so God created the world in seven days and God spoke the world into existence and all of this in my Bible. And at the same time, I'm sitting in Mrs. Diedrich's biology class and she's talking about how the world existed because of a big bang. And the two felt very contradictory to my young faith. And I had a lot of questions. And that's one of the reasons that we're here tonight is to really talk about our questions when it comes to how did the world begin? What, what kind of faith is required for the Big Bang Theory? What kind of science is available to support creationism? Can you be a critical thinker and still believe in creation. And so last week, Science Camp Joe, AKA our own Pastor Joe, he presented to us a whole bunch of scientific stuff. And then he said, hey, text me in your questions and your thoughts that you might have about the Bible, about evolution, about creation, and he will research them or he's just a science genius so he knows a bunch of stuff too. <laughs> he told me he read, he's read a lot of things. I read a lot. And so I have the list of questions okay. from the students and the first question is that, that they asked, and there was a lot of variations of this question, is who created God and how was God created? Yeah, so obviously when, when I mentioned, I think this question kind of originated from the whole idea of like the Big Bang, where I always said, well, where did the Big Bang come from? And if the Big Bang had, wherever the Big Bang came from, where did that come from? And I said, there's sort of this idea like everything has to have a cause and everything has to have like the thing that created it. Something has to have a creator. You can't just have something out of nothing. And so obviously then the question became, well, then who created God or in, in this idea? So the truth is, and this is not like a get out of jail free card in this debate, but God is the one thing that didn't, wasn't created, that didn't have to be created. And I think why we think that, and it's hard to picture that, is because we live in a world that has these laws and, and we have space, we have time, and we have matter, like stuff, and the space that the stuff fills, and the, the time is the things that as the stuff goes through space, it takes up time. And, it's, and we can't get out of our minds, it's, it's too hard for us to imagine what it would be like to live in a, in a world or, or just be in a thing where there, those things didn't apply to you. 
Time didn't apply to you. Space didn't apply to you. Matter didn't apply to you. But it says right here very clearly in the book of Genesis that God created these three things. Look at this. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, now we have a time. Before that, there was no time. But in the beginning, time, God created the heavens or the space and the earth, matter. He created, in the first verse, we have it right here, that in the beginning, God created time, he created a place for the stuff to go, and he created the stuff. And so it's, it's hard to imagine, but take a, look at it this way, okay? So I've got this laptop, and then if I stack this Bible on it, and then I stack this water bottle on that, and I do that, it didn't work, it's fine. Okay, now I have this pile of stuff, and you go, okay, well, um, we've, got this, we've got this water bottle. Well, what's the water bottle standing on? Well, it's, it's standing on the Bible. Then we have the Bible, and we're like, well, what's, okay, well, then what's the Bible standing on? Well, the Bible's, the Bible's uh, standing on the, the laptop. Well, what's the laptop standing on? Well, the laptop's standing on the table. Well, what's a laptop standing on? We go, well, it's the ground. And then we go, well, what's the ground standing on? We're like, no, it's, it's just the ground. It's the thing that everything stands on. God is the ground. God is the thing that everything else, the entire universe, all of creation stands on. And without him, there is nothing for anything to stand on. And so there can be nothing without him. And so he is the ground in that situation. And so there has to be something outside of this universe, outside of time, space, and matter that created creation. You cannot have creation without a creator. And so that's why he's basically the paradox that he has to be outside of those things for there to be those things. Was there anything before God? No. All right. There's a verse, I guess. It says, God was the beginning. It literally says in the Bible in Revelations 22, 13, that he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is eternal. He is always, he always was, and he always will be. So therefore, he, there was nothing before him. All right, let's pivot a little bit. Because okay. if you're going to believe the book of Genesis, you have to believe like the whole book of Genesis. Yeah. And that sucker also tells some crazy stories about Noah and the ark. And so some people ask the question, how did all the animals fit on the ark? Yeah, so this ark is a fascinating story. And honestly, most of create, like a ton of the science behind creation is backed and, and it fits into this idea of a worldwide flood. And the Bible talks about this worldwide flood where Noah had the ark and he put all of these animals on this ark. And when we look at like the creation, we look at all of the things in the world and they like to say, oh, that happened over millions or billions of years. If you apply it to a catastrophic flood, oftentimes those same things can happen in a very, very short amount of time. So when we say, oh, the earth may only be six to 10,000 years old, that's why we can say that is because this catastrophic flood that is recorded in the Bible would change things that, and, and make things happen at a very, very rapid pace. It would eliminate species. It would cause canyons to be formed, all of these things. But obviously the question is, well, this boat, and it was a big boat, but it's not like a cruise ship size boat. It was a big boat for back in the day. How did it fit all of the animals in it? Well, the, the biggest thing we have to remember is in the Bible, it very clearly says that he puts 
different pairs of kinds of animals, okay? And when we think kinds, we automatically think of, well, it must have been every single species of every kind of animal ever. There was a, there was a jaguar, and there was a black panther, and there was a mountain lion, and there was a cougar, and there was, there was a red ant, and there was a black ant, and there was a bullet ant, and there was a fire ant, and all of these things. But it doesn't say all of the species. Look at this in Genesis 6, 19. It says, bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. So in reality, there isn't that many kinds of animals. When you start sort of going like, okay, yeah, there's different, there's different like versions of really the same animal. But when what reality happened is the kind of animal got put on that boat. And then when it left the boat, it went out and all of a sudden, you know, that one had babies and their babies, they began to spread out and they adapted to their environments. Some adapted to have black fur, some of them adopted to have spots, some of them adapted to have tan fur, you know, if we're talking panthers or different bears, the bear went up north and it said, everything's white, so I better not be brown anymore. And all of a sudden it adapted over time. It doesn't take a long time for animals to adapt in these situations, right? And so we have that. And then obviously something that, kind of blows people's minds is when you think about all of these animals on the ark, they weren't grown-up animals, okay? They were probably baby animals. They didn't have to bring full-size elephants, full-size giraffes onto the boat. You just bring the baby one or you bring the egg or all of these things. And so you could fit a lot more kinds of animals on it when you start thinking, maybe they were just itty-bitty and not full-grown animals. All right, cool. Uh, why did God create mankind? Yeah, so, so why did he create us in the first place? What, what was the point of him creating us? Well, honestly, in, in scripture, it says that God is love. And so I think a, per, a, a creator who is love wants to experience love. And so he created man in his own image, the very own image, and the one person in his, like, uh, the one creation where he picked up dirt and he, and he formed it in his hands, and he created us in his own image, but he also gave us free will. And that is the key to love. You can't force anybody to love you. You can't make a rule that says you must love me. You can't program it into them that says you will love me because then it's not love. And the truth is he created us with free will so that we could choose to love him. And the unfortunate side effect of that is we can also choose to not love him, but that he was willing to take that risk with us as his creation to say, I want someone to choose me. I want somebody to look at all of that I created and all these things, and I want them to choose to love me. And when we choose to love him, he understands that we did, in fact, have a choice to do so, which makes it all the more special for him to do that, or us to do that for him. Okay, switching gears a ton. Okay. I think what the people really want to know is about dinosaurs. Ah. Are they real? Did they happen? Dinosaurs. Does the Bible mention them? Okay, so obviously the common like scientific thing in Jurassic Park and Jurassic World and all of this is dinosaurs. 65 million years ago, they roamed the earth and all of these things. And, and it's, it's truly fascinating. And obviously... The, that is the theory, that they have been gone for a very, very long time. Well, recently, in the last 20 years, they found a T-Rex bone, okay? And they found this bone, and they cut the bone in half, and they kind of took a, like a di, di, began to dissect this bone. And what they found, and, and what you would assume to have found in a 65 million-year-old fossil is when you cut that thing in half, it's all fossilized stuff inside, 
But what they found inside of this T-bone, T-Rex bone, T-bone, I'm gonna call it T-bone, works great, was soft tissue, meaning remnants of veins, remnants of blood in this. How do you have a Tyrannosaurus rex bone that is supposed to be 65 million years old and it's gone through the fossilization process on the outside and have soft tissue on the inside? Well, the only option for that is that 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 animal did not die 65 million years ago. It must have only died fairly recently, like seven or, you know, between four and 7,000 years ago. And, and so the idea is that dinosaurs roamed the earth with mankind. And the Bible talks about dinosaurs, and we talk a lot about those things. It says in Job 40, 15 through 19, take a look at behemoth, which I made, just as I made you. This is God talking, obviously. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as a cedar, The sinews, I don't know, of its thighs are knit tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It is a prime example of God's handiwork, and only its creator can threaten it. So we get this description of this animal, and somebody's like, oh, it's a hippo, or all of these things. But none of those things quite fit it. But what it does sound like is it sounds something like this right here. This, this type of animal, uh, like maybe something like that, where it's the tail is as strong as a cedar and all these things. And what's fascinating is when we look out in the world, there's, there's old cave drawings in, in different ancient cultures that have drawings of different dragons and, and dinosaurs. There's this picture of this in, in somewhere in Asia in this ancient culture. They have a stegosaurus standing next to a man. You can't have a stegosaurus. They didn't know about stegosaurus because if, unless they were alive at the same time because they were supposed to all be buried in the ground and they would have never found one. But why do we see these things? Well, it's very possible and what we believe as, as people who believe in creation and in the word of God that they roam the earth at the same time. Take a look at this, okay? What I want you guys to do, we're gonna do this. I would like you to close your eyes and I'm gonna read about another one. And I just want you to start like picturing as I'm describing this animal, Close your eyes and, and I'm create like an image in your brain as I'm talking about this. Can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through nose or pierce it like its jaw with a spike? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it to your little girls to play with? Will it, merchants try to buy it to sell it in their shops? If you lay a hand on it, you will certainly remember the, remember the battle that follows. You won't try that again. No, it is useless to try and capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down. And since no one dares to disturb it, who can stand up to me? Who has given, so then it says, I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs and its enormous strength and graceful form. Who can strip off its hide? Who can penetrate its double layer of armor? Who could pry open its jaws? Feel its teeth are terrible. Its scales are like rows of shields, tightly sealed together. They are so close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of fire flash out. Smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a pot. 
heated over burning. Okay, so what do you like, as we're reading this and it keeps talking about, you're like, oh, it's like an alligator. And then it's like, oh, it breathes fire. That's not an alligator. Alligators don't breathe fire. I don't know. And so uh, as it continues on, it continues to describe something very similar to like some kind of like sea serpent idea that breathes fire. And obviously we look around the world and we see dragons in all sorts of different cultures. And, and I don't know if dragons existed and we've never necessarily found a, a, a fossil of a dragon, but the Bible is describing this in a way like he should know what he's talking about. And the Bible describes this Leviathan like it's a common animal that they see every, like often and have, and have seen and heard about. You wouldn't describe a mythical creature the way they describe this Leviathan in the Bible. So it's, it's interesting. Now, dr- dinosaurs and all this, where do they come from and, and what? How did they come about? Like, we, we see the skeletons of the, the megalodon. Oh my gosh, the megalodon is a fascinating creature to me, and I still believe there's a big giant shark at the bottom of the ocean, okay? TikTok has me convinced for sure. And my watch, Siri wants to tell me about the megalodon. Shh. Okay, uh, mega crocs, there's the titanoboa, the giant snake, all these things. Well, reptiles are super interesting. They grow as big as they're, like, as big as basically nature will let them. And when we look at pre-flood environment, it was like perfect, pristine conditions for animals to get very, very large. If man was living to nearly a thousand years old, think about the reptiles. They would continue to grow and grow and grow, and they would not have to worry about dying. Like a 150-year-old croc, when we find one in the world today, very, very large croc, 20 feet. Well, imagine if that 150-year-old croc had a great environment where all of a sudden it could live to 500 or 1,000 years old. You know what you would see? A massive, massive animal. And so also some of this idea of these, these animals that were bigger back then than we see now, and so we just assume it was a different species, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just the environment that was living in that allowed it to get so much bigger. Now, where did they go? Where did dinosaurs go? Well, obviously, we still see kind of, say, modern dinosaurs with the alligators, Komodo dragons, crocodiles, you know, all of these different animals. But where did the dinosaurs go? Well, the flood. After the flood as well, all of a sudden, the world changed completely after a catastrophic flood. Atmosphere changed. Man went from living to it from 1,000 years old to not being able to get past 120 years old. That means the atmosphere was different. The environment, the food all of a sudden became very scarce. So large animals that needed a huge amount of food all of a sudden would die off very quickly in a post-flood environment. So it's very, very plausible that a lot of dinosaurs just went extinct. And animals go extinct all the time. It's not like this weird thing that happened long, long ago. We see animals going extinct because their environments changed every day. Now, why isn't there any dinosaurs and humans together? Why don't we see uh, uh, fossils of any of those things together? Well, there could be a couple explanations. One, if I lived in a time where there was dinosaurs, I don't think I would live near the dinosaurs. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be anywhere near a Tyrannosaurus rex herd somewhere else, okay? I would try and live very far away from them. Also, the population of the earth was much smaller back then, and the earth was very spread out. People were very, very spread out. And so the idea, we think that fossils are this abundant thing that we find all of the time, but that's not the case. It is very rare that we find fossils. And so the idea of we haven't found one and one together doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It also just means that probably or maybe we haven't found that proof yet. But it's very likely and completely plausible 
according to the Bible and science, that humans and dinosaurs lived at the same time. All right, so I want to skip from dinosaurs and flood to space. Okay, space. Okay. This is interesting, so, too. So um, the next question is, how big is your anus? <laughs> a, te- a question that has been texted in. It's a very interesting question uh, that many are asking, I'm sure. Uh, it's pretty big. Um, from afar, it only looks small, but when you get closer, uh, it's, it's bigger than you think. Uh, this is Uranus. Am I right in saying... Would you like to see a picture of Uranus? Sure. I think... Okay. <laughs> All right. And is Uranus mostly made up of gas? It is. It actually is full of gas, uh, believe it or not. Yeah. Uranus is a gaseous uh, planet, for sure. It's not a gas giant like some of the other ones, but it, it is 32,000 miles in diameter, which means that if the Earth was as large as an apple, your anus would be the size of a basketball, okay? Uranus moons, okay, there are a lot of them, okay? A lot of moons. Yeah, there's a ton of moons as well. Uh, You can't have Uranus without moons, okay? That's true. And actually, at certain times, if you do, I don't know if you know this, you can actually see Uranus with the naked eye at night. That's a thing. With the naked eye, you don't require a telescope? You don't require a telescope to see Uranus. Right. You guys have no, no idea how bad, how bad I was giggling, Googling that. I was like, giggling. and the professional like science thing was giving me all these facts about Uranus. And I was just like, hee 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 your anus is way funnier. It is way funnier. So much funnier. All right. What if Adam and Eve didn't eat the apple? Okay. Life will be a heck of a lot better than it is right now, let me tell you. Uh, we would, theoretically, if they and no one since them, in the last 6,000 years, decided to eat that fruit on that dang old tree, uh, we would still be in the garden. We would still be in the presence of God, and it would be a, a wonderful experience, and we would be, it, it would be basically heaven, is what it would be like. But unfortunately, the first two people on the planet screwed it up for the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. But if they had done it, then maybe their grandchildren or right, if they maybe had Sean would have eaten the apple. Sean would have eaten the apple for sure. Sean. I don't know. All right. So how is it possible that we all came from Adam and Eve? Right. Okay. So now we're talking, okay, 7,000 years and two people. And then this flood, if it truly was a worldwide flood, and it happened exactly like the Bible said, which we believe, then Noah and his two, two or three sons and three, their sons' wives, okay, so eight people after the flood were alive, how is it that there are so many people now? Well, honestly, very basic math proves that this would work, okay? So if you do the math of, let's just look after the flood. So Noah and his family, eight people after the flood, around 4,500 years ago is when the flood happened, we think, okay? Now, doubling the population every 150 years, which would only mean that his three sons had to have, you know, two kids each, basically. So it's a very, very, like, small and, and uh, comfortable number. It's not like a big number to think that the population couldn't double every 150 years. It doubles much faster than that even now. But just, just for that sake, okay, that would be 32 doublings of eight people over the last 4,500 years. The amount of the math of doubling eight 32 times, 6.5 billion. How many people are on earth right now? Right, seven, seven billion. billion, right? And so give or take half a billion, the math adds up. Now, 
So that, that's, that's, the math adds up and supports the idea of a young earth. Now, scientists agree with that kind of math, but they're saying that humans have been around, you know, and, and the populations of humans have started to grow for 50,000 years. Now, if you did the same math and applied it over 50,000 years compared to 4,500 years, that would now be uh, 100 doublings instead of just 32 doublings. And the number would be this, one with a hundred zeros behind it. That's how big that number would be. That number is bigger than the amount of atoms in the entire universe, okay? And so the math that adds up and supports young earth theory, all of a sudden we apply that same math that makes sense to just 50,000 years, a very, very like safe number of how long humans have been on earth according to science and evolution we would be absolutely overrun. Our population would be absolutely crazy, much, much higher than it is now. And so the other question that we always get with this, all right, is how did Adam and Eve, and then obviously if Adam and Eve were the only two people, and then they had kids, sons and daughters, but there wasn't any other people, then how did they have kids, right? And that's a question that happens. Well, we have to understand, Adam and Eve, were perfect creations. They were literally plucked from basically a form of heaven out of the Garden of Eden and set down in a world that was now fallen because of sin. And, and it says that there was a curse upon the ground. And so we see from, from the garden to outside of the garden, and then after the flood, the world had changed. But before this, now we have these people who were literally perfect before they ate that apple. And so we got to think that there was nothing wrong with those people. And so them and then their kids having technically kids with their own kids and all this, you wouldn't see the birth defects like you see now because we've all been living in a world, a fallen world for 4,500 years now that it's messed up. And later on in the Bible, God says, hey, don't, don't marry your sister. That's weird. Stop it. And he says that. But back in the day, in the very beginning of all of this, we, we ha- that's how it was populated. But we don't see the same thing because it was literally like the world and the curse of the world and this fallen world had not gotten in to Adam and Eve and their, and their kids and their kids' kids. Because how else do you explain that they lived a thousand years? How else do you explain any of those things? So the world... And, and those people were very different than what we would see today. All right. So keeping it awkward just a little bit. Okay. If God created everything, why did he create hell? Okay. So we obviously talk a lot about God and then we have the devil. We have demons and, all, and, and, and his sort of minions and all of those things. Hell was designed to be a place for them. For those who rejected God, who were in heaven, in his presence, and still rejected him, he created it for them. So then Satan knew where he was going. And so when he saw the creation of man on this earth, he did everything he could to make sure that they would mess up as well so that they would come with him to hell. It was never God's plan for mankind to spend eternity in hell. It was not his plan or design for that place. But Satan came in and messed it all up to where all of a sudden it was now a place where we could go. Because to be in the presence of God meant you would have to be perfect, righteous, clean. And so now when as soon as Adam and Eve took a bite of that apple, boom, they could no longer be in the presence of God, which meant when they passed away, they would have to then go somewhere else, which would be hell. 
But that was not God's plan. And that's why he sent Jesus to come and die on the cross for our sins so that we could be made righteous again. Not, not by our own acts, not by our own works, nothing we could do to be righteous. Obviously, we look around the world and go, there's no way anybody could live a perfect life. But Jesus did, and he died on that cross so that we could be made righteous and go to heaven, which was God's plan all along. So what do we do if we're in a class and we have a biology teacher like mine right. who's teaching evolution? Yeah. So at science camp, uh, I spent most of the summer arguing with these professors, and I knew very little about what I, like what I know now. And after all of the reading and the studying and the research and stuff that I've done since then, but what can we do? Here's the thing. We should always bring honor and respect to these people. This isn't something where we should be disrespectful in those things. We can't be, uh, our motive cannot be to get out of work. We say like, if we have a homework assignment that that is evolution, we can't be like trying to get out of work and all these things when you're not, you're like waving the banner of creationism and God, but really you're just like, well, I just don't wanna do that project. I don't wanna do that. We we need to make sure that we are honestly like having honest motives in that moment. And so when those times happen, and it's gonna happen, if you're in a science class or all those things, you're gonna see this. In college, I took an anthropology class, which was literally evolution of man from like the first monkey to now. And I, and I had to sit through that class as a Christian, as a person who, who believed in what the Bible said. What do you do? You be respectful. Honestly, at times, I, it, it stirred in me my faith to like dig into it and look around and figure out, wait, like, is this true or is there, are they making assumptions? And so many times in there, they're making these massive assumptions about things. And they're obviously already, they believe in evolution. So everything they find, they're just looking at it under the lens of evolution and they're not looking at it in the bigger picture. Whereas we're going, okay, this fact, this happened. How do we, like, what is the lens of the Bible say about this? And so many times the same thing could be found in the, the Bible holds true in all of these things. So we do that. We, and honestly, sometimes I was just like, it's kind of like learning about like a fantasy novel. It was just sort of an interesting fact, something I, I could know. I didn't have to be completely disrespectful or not listen or not try and pass the class or not work hard. But it became something where I was like, this isn't real, but hey, it's interesting. It's an interesting theory, but I I know what I believe in and I can appreciate still all the time and effort these people have done to build this theory. But I think something you got to understand is we're not crazy. We're not crazy for thinking that the earth was only, is only six to 10,000 years old. We're not crazy like flat earthist theorists, okay? That's not who we are in believing this. There is science. There is science that can be applied to what we see in the world, and we can apply what the Bible says happened. We can look at this as a historical book, not just a pretty book of poems and rules, but we can look at it as history, and we can apply it to the world we see today, and it works, okay? It's, it's not something we made up. And so don't let, people f- don't let people make you think you're crazy. Don't let them make it, make it seem like there's no way. Because honestly, like we've said before, it's not any crazier to think that God who we've experienced, made the earth in six days any more than they're trying to say that nothing made the universe in 13.5 billion years. It's just as crazy for them to say that as for us to see and experience God and go, yeah, 
I think what I see is creation. There must have been a creator. And I've, and I've experienced and I've tasted and seen the goodness of God. So therefore, I'm going to say that I trust God's word, that he said what he said, and he did what he said he did. That's what I think. So guys, thank you so much for all of your questions. If you have any more questions today or next week or anything, I love talking about this stuff. So come and talk to us about these things. I love debating it out and all of this stuff. But we love you guys so much, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.